Welcome to The Exchange, the official podcast of the Fred C. Manning School of Business at Acadia University, Wolfville, Nova Scotia. Acadia University is a member of the Maple League of Universities, an association of premier, primarily undergraduate universities that consistently rank highest for educational quality in Canada. The School of Business at Acadia University is named after Fred C. Manning, first person in Canada to receive the honor of having a business school named after him. To learn more about Acadia University and the business school, please visit acadiau.ca and business.acadiau.ca. Podcast host Brenda McNeil of Acadia University's finance program is joined today by Malcolm Fraser, the recently appointed president and CEO of Innova Corp in Halifax. InnovaCorp is a venture capital fund and startup accelerator that is three different areas focusing on ocean tech and IT technologies. Malcolm Fraser has been a prominent figure in the Atlantic Canadian economy for over two decades since he started his internet company, Internet Solutions Limited, which he then grew to become one of the top digital companies in Atlantic Canada. Hello, everybody. Welcome back once again for another Axe Change podcast. Today, I'm here with Malcolm Fraser. Malcolm, thank you very much for coming in, making time. I mean, no Malcolm is just coming out of a meeting, hustling and bustling around here at uh, Anova Corp, which he is the president of recently. Yeah. As of what is it, a year and a, a year and a yeah, bit about now? Fifteen months. Fifteen yeah. months. Yeah, yeah. So before we launch into that, can you tell me the path that led up to this? And I mean, what like kind of some key success factors? To that you drew on that got you here so uh, career entrepreneur never really had a job Uh, and so for 25 years of my career I've been really uh, building and starting companies Um, I had one an internet professional services company called ISL that was sort of the one that I ran for uh, about 20 years Uh, I had a startup that started in 1998 for Mm -hmm. doing uh, point of sale over mobile internet enabled devices, okay. cell phones, uh, way back in the day yeah. when mobile internet first existed. Right when it first came out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've done a couple of real estate things, I've done a bunch, done yeah. a bunch of consulting things, I've got a product company right now, so okay. a bunch of different things on the go. And so yeah. what really instigated getting into this gig was... Um, I sold my companies, so I had a property company and uh, my services company, which was the main right. company I had through my career, uh, about two years ago. Yeah. Uh, I stayed on with the company that acquired the company okay. uh, for about a year. I didn't know what I was going to do, uh, was looking for something different. Um, you know, had a startup, been around the tech space for a long time, mm. uh, sort of got pulled into this the competition for this sounds like it was a a natural step in that direction being an incubator of of tech companies well it fits i know i get it so i know the space and uh and they were looking for a new leader here and uh, because the the gentleman before me was off to do something different okay uh so i i went for it and the more i learned about what's happening in the startup space in atlantic canada today the more i got excited about it yeah and then I said, yeah, I want this. And what is that most in particular that gets you excited in Atlantic Canada and the startup space? Oh, there's so much. I, I, I do guess. know it's a long <laughs> list, but if, we, if you could pick a, a I couple. I focus on it. Um, 
So uh, right now, uh, there's probably the most venture capital available in the market than there ever has been. In Atlantic Canada Atlantic specifically? Canada. I've, I've read that um, through uh, some pitch book reports that it's also in North America, I think, as well. There's the largest, I don't know what it's called, but like cash on hand, essentially, in venture capital yeah, in the I past few years. Uh, yeah, I don't know that step specifically, yeah. but I know that uh, two new funds, or one follow-on fund and one new fund just got funded. Okay. Our fund is up and running. Yeah. NBAF is up and running, East Valley's running, right. uh, Polaris, and uh, um, uh, another one in Newfoundland, I can't remember the name right now. So there, there's, a, again, the most capital that we've seen available yeah. to early stage companies. Is that from a bunch of entrepreneurs that have had successful business ventures that now have extra money and want to put it back in, or so where is it coming from? The, uh, most venture capital in Canada comes from the government okay. along the way, yep. or government type sources. Uh, but there's certainly more layering of private capital into the system right now. Yeah. And it's based uh, partially on what you just said. So in the last six years, uh, the Atlantic Canadian ecosystem has exited a number of companies to the tune of about, it's over $2 billion. So that's a lot of return. That's a fair amount, yeah. Uh, and Jerry, who you were talking to earlier, yeah. is I figured he would key be part of that. Right, right <laughs> in the swing of it. Um, but so that that has empowered a lot of early stage entrepreneurs who yeah. have been successful to reinvest in the ecosystem, either in new companies they're starting themselves, new companies that they're seeing in the ecosystem. Mm. Uh, you look at something like somebody like Jeff McDonald who started Volta with the money he earned out of right. uh, Go Instant, uh, and so that's just. It, it, it does follow on itself and exponentially grow. Yeah. More success grows more opportunity within the ecosystem. And do you see that as like, it sounds like so in my adventure of interviewing, I've been searching for mm. maybe that little, the, the goose that laid the gold nag here of how do we support the Atlantic Canadian ecosystem and, and how do we grow it? And it sounds like that's a very important factor of kind of the self-fulfilling prophecy, the wheel of people when they build their companies here and they get their success, they realize the sense like through sentiment and also through, I suppose, logic, the value in building the community here and giving back because I mean, that's the only reason they had success in yeah. the first place. Well, it's a natural thing. Like it, uh, some people complain about exes to say, well, a big company from away came and bought this company, but that money comes into our economy. That's probably the best case scenario. And I mean, the, really the numbers around 70% of it that stays here. Wow. Uh, that's, that's so a that's a lot. Number. That's right? a good number. That's a yeah. good number, and you can't complain about that. Uh, and so, yes, the, the, you know, we have this goal in Novacorp uh, that Atlantic Canada will become one of the top 10 startup ecosystems in the world, right? So big, That's bold. Big, hairy, audacious goal, right? Yeah. What you're supposed to have. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and so uh, part of when I got into this role, the more I learned about what's happening here, the more I believe that, that is not just this unachievable goal, that we can do it. Okay. Now, the only way that we can get there at this stage, because we have so much vibrancy, there's yeah. accelerators and funds and programs. And yeah. There's so many that. things, a lot going on. If you yeah. want to start a company, there's a lot going on. There uh, is. The only thing that will actually get us there is building more successful companies. Actually doing it. Actually doing the work. So, you can have all the framework you yeah, want. But all the tools you want, but nobody's there to take advantage of it. So, yeah. 
So that's and that's certainly the, the the narrowing of a NovaCorp's focus is to do that. Yes. And in, as our role within the ecosystem as a player is to do that. Yeah, that's awesome to hear because, like I was saying earlier, this is I want this podcast to become a platform to bridge the gap between all the potential and the raving bullishness I hear of Atlantic right. Canada to the ones who have all that passion, i.e., the the students and the millennials coming into the workforce. Yeah. So what? Um, is there specific activities, whether it's in universities or you run campaigns or advertising? How do you go about that and, and bringing in and, and fostering the next generation of startups? Right. So where do they come from, I guess, is the question. Yeah. Um, so uh, no question the universities uh, produce a lot of research. Uh, and projects, right? Uh, and, and a lot of the smaller uh, general arts schools also produce a lot of well-trained, well-communicated individuals. It's reassuring for me to come from yeah, Acadia. No, because you have to translate science into market, yep. uh, and that's critical. Yep. Uh, and and so the mix of those two things is really important. Okay. So finding teams that get together, or sometimes you find that amazing person who can be a super smart scientist and sell anything in the world. Yeah. Very rare, but it happens. Yeah. So there's a lot of of natural talent just within that. And Atlantic Canada, in my view, and I've I've said this for a long time, you know, uh, uh, I'm sorry to get the word right here. the ingenuity in this region is unbelievable. Yes. We can solve a problem very quickly with very little resources. Yeah. It is the thing that makes the innovation ecosystem here super good. Yeah. Because it doesn't have to necessarily be something that a scientist learned that you produce into to create a billion dollar company. Yeah. It could be like, you know what? I can actually make a better zipper. Yeah. And if you do that and turn it into a billion dollar company, that works for us here. Right? Exactly. So, Simple enough. So I think that the the natural environment of Atlanta, Canada produces that type of ingenuity. Yeah. Naturally. I I was um, reading a book, an autobiography by a gentleman I had on here a few interviews ago by the name of Ron Lovett. Oh right yeah. Here. I know um, Ron really well. He's a buddy of mine. Yeah. Great. Awesome guy, of course. So head of entrepreneurs organization in yeah. Halifax. Yeah. And also the source security company he built with 1,500 employees. So obviously in the book, he's talking about like the battles. But something that really struck a note with me, especially coming and talking to you, mm. is he drew the difference between you know Toronto and, and Vancouver and the big cities and Atlantic Canada. And because it's all we always have this novel view and the glamour of the big cities. And I feel like we lose a lot of students and potential to that because they want sure. to go and you know find themselves explore and so on but he says in the big cities since that's where its success has always been um, they're focused primarily on management and just keeping the the ball rolling and keeping the steam engine moving forward yeah. versus in Atlantic Canada since we've always said uh, been the underdog per se yeah. we have an almost unparalleled sense of, of grit and and like you said the ingenuity yeah. Yeah, yeah. because we do need to fight to innovate and to make different processes because we don't have an abundance of resources and money so we need to be creative Mm. and to use actual you know a little bit of history here in in concrete um, examples through I I suppose the past few years at Innovacorp Mm. what are like where is the main source of startups coming from and and the main focus of that ingenuity uh, so, uh, I'll be honest, that's probably more data than I have in the top of my head, um, but uh, a lot of the companies that we see definitely come out of the universities. 
Good. Um, Good to hear. Uh, others uh, don't necessarily come directly out of the university. You look at a company like Trueleaf. Okay. Really came out of uh, an entrepreneur who was wanted to do something. He went and found some of the science and leveraged the university to get there right. as well. So Greg's yeah. an interesting story as well. Um, and uh, so I think that it's it's you know you can see a lot of companies, but you go over to Volta. A lot of those companies are just really smart guys and gals mm-hmm. saying there's a better way to do this. I know it is. I'm yeah. going to build a tool to make it yeah. accessible discover and, that. and make it happen. So okay. just straight up, ground up entrepreneurism. And I mean, age-wise, is there a specific age that a lot of these people are? Is it the whole swath? Pretty big swath. I mean, uh, every incubator you go to has a little different age bracket. Okay. Our, our, our facility up in Summer Street, which is more life sciences, probably has a little older demographic because their professors are coming out working on life science companies. Right? Yes. Uh, similarly, over in uh, the Technology Innovation Center in Woodside, we mm. have uh, probably skews a little younger there just because we're doing, there's a lot of clean tech, but there's some IT companies there. Yeah. Uh, you're doing base, there's big room to build yeah. prototypes and stuff. And you go over to Cove, uh, startup yard at Cove, which we mm-hmm. manage, uh, it's all, it's pretty young guys. There's actually okay. one guy uh, younger than I there, a little few years younger than I am, but yeah. most of them are sort of mid-20s to mid-30s. Right. Yeah. Cove is mostly ocean tech, ocean right? Ocean tech, yeah. 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 And is there a huge demand in that? Because uh, Francis McGuire mentioned there's $500 million going into the southern shore of Newfoundland, a new aquaculture plant there. Yeah. Uh, so ocean tech is certainly a focus of the industry around here. There yeah. is... Uh, a, lo- a lot of activity, a lot of it very early stage yeah. uh, from an innovation standpoint. Uh, but we have a long history of being successful in ocean technology here. Yeah. Uh, the biggest challenge is it's, it's a, the market isn't that big. Maybe a lot of the things we produced are very specific for academic applications or mm. very narrow industry applications. So, you know, we know that the ocean is a critical piece of our life on Earth. Yeah. And we know that it. We extract a lot of resources out of it, both protein to eat and energy from oil and gas. Uh, and we need better technology to make those things effective. Yeah. And so that produces a potentially very large market when we're very focused as a society on managing our resources better. Yeah. That makes ocean technology applicable to a much larger market than it ever has been in the past. Right. Um, is Do we see a lot of, is there any specific uh, startups that you know of that are working on kind of um, cleaning the oceans, whether it's garbage or microplastics? Uh, you know, we have a, a few interesting companies. Uh, we have a a plastic lobster trap company over in Cove. Uh, So most lobster traps are made of wood or metal. Uh, He's got a making, taking recycled plastic to make a more durable uh, lobster trap. Uh, And the most interesting part about his model they like, uh, because plastics are a big issue in the ocean. Mm. Uh, There's other bigger issues, but it's a big one. Is that a lot of the reason it doesn't get cleaned up, there's no market for plastic. People don't buy it. Yeah. Now he will actually buy back the lobster traps from the lobstermen when they get end of life or they don't need them. Okay. Thereby creating a market for this used plastic. And then so does he kind of melt it down and then just make more with uh, it? I, I, yes, he has some model to deal with it at that oh. point. But but he's you know most uh, from my understanding I don't know this for sure but 
you know, when you're done with the launch job, you just throw it over and it goes in the ocean, mm. right? Easy it's, enough, It's right? expensive to get it off the boat, put it in a thing, take it out to the landfill, pay to get it, you know. Yeah, all that so headache. It just doesn't necessarily happen that way. Yeah. Um, and so here's a mechanism that, it's, uh, that provides incentive to fishermen to bring their stuff back exactly. and put yeah. it back into the environment, in, into the economy right. in a sustainable way. Yeah. So shifting gears a bit, with all these um, startups you're surrounded by, and I mean, being an entrepreneur yourself, so you mm-hmm. can definitely um, shed some um, personal experience light on this as well. What, I know is a broad question, but I'll let you, <laughs> I'll let you define it a bit more. Um, what makes a successful entrepreneur? And I, I what would be the, oh the dominant characteristics? And I I suppose that ties into what do you guys try to breed in your entrepreneurs as well? Um, you know, so the most successful entrepreneurs really have unbridled passion for what they're doing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They don't take no for an answer. Sometimes they should, but they don't generally. Yeah. I'm saying they that to myself as well. Right. They, they, they can't be stopped. They're indomitable, right? Yeah. Um, because it's a high risk, very difficult, yeah. unbelievably challenging thing. You've got to be able to bounce back and start get Start a hit. company from nothing and make it go. Yeah. Like it's, that's, of all the things in the world to do, there's nothing much harder. So that is a critical thing to do. Now, another really important piece of the puzzle is to... And, and I provide a little bit of coaching around this to a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs through my life is that you have to know what you're good at and know how to outsource what you're not good at. Mm. So how are you delegating the things yeah. that you're not great at? That's a hard one because you have to kind of admit your own shortcomings versus yeah, just blindly say, I could do it all. No, and you can, and no one can do it better than me. Yeah, and exactly. That's the answer that you hear from most people. Yeah. And it's true in some cases, but uh, it, it's really a tactical story, but... You know, I used to do the books for my company when I started. Okay. Right? My dad was an accountant. I've been right. I have a yeah. business degree, so I know the basics. Comes naturally. So I could do it. Wait, why would I need to pay somebody to do that? Right. And this yeah. Is, this is a. This is one of the challenges I find with Atlantic Canadians in general. It's like oh, I can do that. I don't need to pay somebody. I can find yeah, a cheaper way to do that. Yeah. It's a lack right? of resources. There's our ingenuity. It's like oh, well, I don't need. I need to do it. Yeah. So I have to tell you that, and this, this has happened to me in two or three different situations where. The first time I hired a bookkeeper to start managing the books for the business, mm. I realized very quickly that this was one of the best decisions I ever made, and I was an idiot for not doing it two years earlier. Yeah, because it got done a lot better. Yeah, they understood the process better. Yeah, the data for managing my business was way better. Yeah, and I had a lot more time to focus on the things I'm actually good at. Because your job isn't to be a bookkeeper. That's right. No, no, you're no, supposed I mean, to be running the company. You got to do a little bit at the beginning, but you, you yeah. need to. Find the right resources to support you quickly. Yeah, and that's that's it's it's, it's a challenging thing for driven, focused, passionate, you yeah. know, omnipotent individuals. That's how we are. It's not true. You think yourself sometimes. Yeah, and and let some let things go. Right, but it's the thing that allows you to scale. Yeah, okay. And scale is the, one of the big issues with a lot of businesses in our region. Is we need to think bigger. You're listening to The Axe Change, the official podcast of the Fred C. Manning School of Business Administration, Acadia University, Wolfville, Nova Scotia. Podcast host Brennan McNeil interviews Malcolm Fraser, the recently appointed president and CEO of InnovaCorp. Malcolm is a longtime entrepreneur in Atlantic Canada after starting his company over two decades ago called Internet Solutions Limited. ISL has coached many businesses through digital transformation, including Stanfields, 
the Toronto Symphony Orchestra, and Tourism Nova Scotia. In 2016, Internet Solutions Limited was acquired by Vancouver-based digital marketing agency FCV Interactive when Malcolm joined the firm's executive team. Malcolm is also a chair on the Art Gallery of Nova Scotia, a research committee chair at Destination Canada, and a board member with the Dalhousie Medical Research Foundation and Sobe Art Foundation. Yes. Like, bigger than, you know, local market. Yeah. You know, Atlantic Canada isn't even a market by global standards. Like, it's barely sustainable. Yeah. So, if we're doing anything, we have to sell it outside of here. Yeah. And we have to understand what that's like outside the rest of the world. Yeah. And we have to think that we can conquer the world because we've just proven it. I gave you the stat earlier, number of exits, world-beating companies grown from right here. Yeah. We do it all the time. Exactly. It's we do have totally an, possible. We do have an international market. So it's true. I mean, we are almost bred in, in inferiority complex. Like now we're just rural Atlantic Canadians. And it also what that's changing that is that is changing and it's it's for the better but also it's a part of like the outside mentality because people put that on us i mean torontonians and and people from big cities so how do we like beat that and i suppose i suppose you could use the instances of these big uh company exits totaling two billion how do they get to international markets is there specific techniques or is it kind of just that's forging ahead specific by industry but yet just have to go you have to leave here yeah go do it yeah to get out of here yeah right leave this market like start your business figure it out and go somewhere else and see and expand uh we we just sent a bunch of companies down to here's a little side story on that so we just sent a bunch and i've heard the story multiple times in different situations since i've taken on this role so we sent about 20 companies down to boston to a venture capital conference okay where companies from all over boston and other places in in new england are coming to pitch and we bring a bunch of ours down right and uh, it probably didn't happen this way, but I'll spice it up a little bit. So uh, local venture capitalist from Boston looks at one of my team members and says, well, do you want me to tell you how your companies really did? You know, with a bit of a skeptical yeah, really. <laughs> attitude. And, and, and we were like, yeah, absolutely, like for sure. Feedback. So the pitch has started. Uh, our team member went off to do something else. And this guy came and found the person on our team later in the night specifically sought her out and said you guys have the best cohort of companies here by anybody wow so and I've heard that that's just one example I've heard that 10 times since I started this that's incredible our entrepreneurs and the companies and technologies they're working on are generally better quality than a lot of other ecosystems that you would naturally think of Boston as being better than us and is is that on the whole spectrum of things yeah uh, all different industries yeah and it's probably like it's not just we have good sales pitches but we also have good tech and and like good team members just have science good ideas practical thinking yeah Great, great speakers, great storytellers. I mean, part of pitching is being a good storyteller. Yeah, be a good storyteller. That's yeah. what I'm learning through right. this, right? <laughs> so, at InnovaCorp, what are some specifics of the operations, and I suppose what you're doing here, um, that lend to having such great companies? Right, right. So, uh, our mission is to find, fund, and foster. Okay. Uh, Atlantic Canadian companies that are trying to change the world. So, change the world. Critical piece of the puzzle there. Yeah. You know. It's not a small local company. We're looking for people with, you know, billion-dollar markets. Right. Right? So big. Yeah. 
And so on the find side, uh, we have a number of different programs that allows us to reach out to the market and look for these companies. Okay. We work with the universities. Yep. We run, uh, we've run Spark program for a number of years, which is a competition you can apply to to say, here's my business, here's where I'm at, give me some, and we'll okay. give you some money and yep. some space in one of our facilities and some coaching. Uh, we also have a startup visa program, which is actually focused on, on attracting entrepreneurs from outside of Canada to come I here. Yeah. We, and that's growing and it's becoming a very important, successful part of the process for the region. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, f- uh, so find fund. So we have a venture capital fund, yep. $40 million. That we Good will size. make equity investments in, in the early stage of companies. So yep. we're early investor, uh, pre-seed and seed. Uh, and on the foster side, we have a number of programs that help coach entrepreneurs and give them facilities and tools to work with. Right. So I mentioned the three facilities that we have. Yep. So that's a place where you can come and work and work with other entrepreneurs and other startups. It's a great little community. Yeah. Uh, we uh, have programs that provide coaching. Uh, so we just had a gentleman up from MIT doing uh, sales coaching. So really? Right. So he's built and exited four or five companies he's now he runs around the world and teaches to startups you know here's what you need to do to to sell yeah selling selling is a process and it's difficult and you need a lot of uh learned experience to be successful at. yeah you can't just go in the first time and expect to be a pro so so we provide expertise on you know we help early stage entrepreneurs uh, who are generally Scientists, coders, uh, or engineers yeah. haven't been trained in how to run a business, yeah. nor should we expect them to have been. Of They've come up with some wicked invention or technology or whatever. And so we help them learn finance, how to set up books properly, right. how to manage your capitalization table, the equity you have through multiple rounds of venture capital mm. financing, because that's the route you're going to go. Yeah. Uh, culture and HR. How do you build a team? Mm. How do you attract the right people to your vision? Right. And, so, it, and do that in a way that people don't poach. All those unseen social skills as well to right. build the culture. Oh, yeah. and, and managing a team of people is, is a craft on its own and yeah. it's difficult. And yeah. It's one of the hardest things to learn. Uh, governance. So you, when you take venture capital, you usually have to put a board together. Mm. How do you do that? How do I leverage it? Right. How do I make it work for my business? Yeah. So we provide expertise on that. Uh, and then sales and marketing and product management. Yeah. So here's here's an important thing. Anybody starting business, what problem are you solving? Who has that problem? What's yeah. the problem worth? And how do you find them? Yeah. Okay. Those are the first questions you need to answer. Yeah. You get a great idea. That's awesome. Now, when you tell me about how big the problem is and how many people have it, that better be ten billion dollars. Yeah. Globally. It's, it's got to be crucial. for us, that's the lens we use. Yeah. Um, that's um, something I heard uh, a lot from, I mean, VCs that I've talked to. And, mm-hmm. and one that mentioned it was Dan Dwaron from, mm-hmm. he's in, uh, he teaches entrepreneurship and innovation at UMBSJ. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. that's how my dad knows him, put us in touch. Um, and he runs uh, kind of a coaching program, mentoring program in St. John for entrepreneurs. And he says the very first thing, and, and I was asking him kind of, to success he looks for as well and he said the first thing they check when you walk through the door as an entrepreneur is they say have you gone out and talked to 10 customers about this yeah, problem totally. because it's yeah, it's it. it's so common that if you have a great idea sometimes a lot like if you have a great idea you just find a problem to attach your solution versus 
if there's an actual problem, then right. it's probably going to be a huge market, like yeah. you said. Don't think you have a good idea. Go talk to 10 people and see what problems they have. Yeah, see what and, um, and solve those. In my business design class, they were just teaching um, the his name was Eric Eric Reese. I think he's from Stanford. It was, um, and he's talking about you know design thing, how to design a product that yeah. solves a problem that we're exactly what we're talking about. And he says um, what he advised people to do is you take your minimum viable viable product that yeah. you have and all those like dozen features or whatever you got with it cut that in half strip yeah. half them away and then strip half them away again and then launch that and see what your customers say because yeah, yeah. he says a lot of the time you just put a lot of fluff on it you think it's necessary but you need to put it out and hear what do people actually need yeah, yeah. so what are some success stories of some particular favorites that you may have at um, say in Atlantic Canada as a whole right. that are really solving good problems here uh, so I use uh, I'll use one that I that I helped with last year a little bit. Um, so it's a, a company here called Graphene Innovation Technologies, GIT. Yeah. Uh, so material science engineers. Okay. Right. Yeah. They're using graphene, yeah. which is a graphite derivative. Uh, they figured out how to manufacture it in a better or cheaper way, but you know graphene is not. It's, that's a commodity market. So what's the value add to graphene? Yeah. So, yeah, what do you solve it here? What do you do with it, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and so all sorts of applications for it. Okay. But they started working on coatings, paint. Oh, we can make paint with this graphene. Well, yeah. What, what? So they were, so now picture two really young, really smart uh, engineers with uh, this graphene paint. Yeah. And desperately too much engineers, right? Mm. Really hard for, for people to understand what is the problem they're solving. Well, we put it on the hull's of boat. Well, that's great. <laughs> like, that is, yeah, you can do that, but <laughs> right. is that a problem? So, you know, and they, they, they had all the answers. They just struggled to communicate it in a way that right. the layman can understand. And right. Investors, venture capitalists are laymen, so you have to think about that. Yeah. So, That's another thing that Dan mentioned as well on Interjects here, that yeah. like you see a lot of times you have incredibly talented engineers, but that, he says, that's only a small percent, and he'd say about 60% that he attached value to is actually the people on the front side delivering that product, talking to customers, yeah. because... Tell you, them the story. Yeah, you can make it as good as you want, yeah. but you need to get it to them, right? So... Uh, worked with them and then came out and and they were they were pitching soon so they came back and sort of through talking to them we figured out very quickly like don't talk about the science no one cares about the science mm. science works yeah we believe in it, yeah we right? believe it. <laughs> and you've tested it and that's great what does it do for the world well right. if you put this on the hull of giant ships that move containers back and forth from China let's say yeah and so the properties of the paint do three things uh, they, it reduces corrosion, yeah. so that's maintenance costs. Okay. Uh, Biofouling doesn't grow on it very well, so less maintenance. And it, it has the least amount of drag of any coating on it's fast. today, so it's fast. Yeah. So what does that mean? Well, that means that if you own a, a giant container ship, yeah. that potentially we can save you $200,000 a trip. Wow. Well, so that's not just chop change. You just went, wow. Yeah. You didn't understand this until See, you exactly heard Exactly. <laughs> until you hear, oh, that's what we do with it. Okay, right. I'll buy it now. So, yeah, I get it. The things don't grow on it. That's cool. Don't have to paint as often. Yeah. It's good. Corrosion's good. Oh, wow. I'm saving money every time I use it. Yeah. 
so it's like how much difference is seeing that that's applicable yeah so that's that's the story and yeah now if you're an investor you're like really that kind well, of how do we do that now there's a whole bunch of other things like how do you sell it how do you protect it yeah bunch of things but uh but it, it's it's really that tipping point of being able to take the invention of the idea and right. put it in terms that make people go, oh, yeah, this is going to be amazing. And it sounds like that is incredibly relevant in a place like Atlanta, Canada, Halifax, where we have huge shipbuilding yards. And uh, I, totally applicable place to do it. So yeah. bunch of, this is ocean technology. So yeah, we have facilities. We have projects that are all relevant. To right. This. We have people that own fleets of ships that go out and fish every day and is that relevant to them right they have corrosive tools i'd imagine so absolutely so really great uh, that's why ocean technology is a big thing in this region right now is that we have all the natural partners and resources to build a company yeah and after um talking to jerry pond his obviously he is the it like behemoth but i'd say Mm. the I don't, like he's the chief of IT and, and kind of the figure piece of it in Atlantic Canada and he, he loves advocating it and what he says and, and, and the reason behind that is because we can develop IT as good if not better than anybody in the world and it does exactly yeah. and it doesn't matter because we send it over the internet we don't need to worry about all these shipping costs putting yeah. it in a truck and yeah, sending yeah, yeah. it out of the boonies yeah. into the big cities it's right through the internet so is there any cool big uh, IT developments you see in Halifax and I know there's one Dash Hudson which is yeah. uh, uh, Dash Hudson Proposify are sort of two of the most advanced okay. uh, companies in the region for sure uh, seeing a lot of growth in the digital health field of medical devices or artificial yeah. intelligence applied to health uh, care challenges yeah. in the system. So that's from VR to uh, mammography for breast cancer yeah. being better data f- yeah. uh, for making those clinical outcomes uh, figured out. Uh, so there's a lot going on. There's yes, uh, some ocean data stuff happening on right. sensors and collecting that data and using yep. it to inform what's the genome of our coastline. So, oh, yeah. You know, a lot of different things. Yeah. So to use a specific example, just because um, two friends of mine from Acadia through the co-op program got placements at Dash Hudson this mm-hmm. summer. And that's very relevant to, yeah. I mean, yeah. our generation with social media. So um, can you give a little description because you probably know a lot about it. And did you did you guys work with them a lot as yeah. well? Yeah. And uh, so, so can you outline that? Dash Hudson started with one idea and it was, and I wasn't around for this, this was early on. Uh, uh, and it wasn't really working and then they figured out that they had this platform that they could do analytics mm-hmm. and measurement of the performance of right. posts on Instagram yeah and that took off that's where things started working for them yeah and so they built this great platform so they built this great platform they can understand what's going to trend they can be predictive of your photo library to tell you what is going to work right now oh really based on the current psyche of so they can analyze Instagram the pictures world. you have yeah, yeah look at your media library and do it so wow really int- like a lot of evolution of understanding yeah you know this visual platform and how to measure it and how to use it to be more performant yeah and so yeah that's it. and so they're working with major retail and every type of brand you can think of yeah. 
and because they are the world leading platform for oh, really Instagram measurement and yeah. analytics. Yeah. Um, did you guys work a lot with them, or did they kind of have it yeah. underway by yeah. the time they got no, here? Um, uh, the CEO worked here for a little while, actually. Oh yeah. Uh, as as did Jeff McDonald. Uh, so uh, working here as an investment manager, found this idea, stepped out, okay. started making this go, learned a lot about what takes a successful company. I'm assuming. Right. And then yeah. applied it in his own startup, and you know was taken off since then. Yeah, that's incredibly inspiring because yeah. that's firsthand for a lot of us. With I mean, students, um, a lot of students like drop shipping and. If I understand correctly, that's where Dash Hudson originally started was in trying to sell products on Instagram. Yeah, right. And so they for Instagram, yeah. e-commerce. So they needed to create analytics. How do we sell this better? And then they're like, oh, we could just sell that yeah. instead. Yeah. So um, to wrap this up with all these inspiring stories of mm-hmm. entrepreneurs and startups here, what is advice you would give towards students and aspiring entrepreneurs alike around here um, to help them along their journey based on your experience? Uh, so. Uh, was at a session last year uh, that, that spoke that a professor who the guy who teaches entrepreneurship at MIT was speaking oh yeah uh, wow. speaking to some of our local very successful entrepreneurs and you know do you want to invest, to invest in my first company or my second company or my third company hmm I mean I'd say third because you get more experience right there yeah. you go exactly the answer that's what everybody says because, yeah. you know, I think he lost a little money in his first company, yeah. made a little bit of money in the second company, and then sold it for half a billion dollars in the third company, right? So <laughs> there you go. Third time's the charm, I guess. So, yeah, right. There, there it is. So, uh, so uh, if if your audience is mostly students and younger people, then there is there is no better time to start a company than right now. There is no better time to start a company. Than you right are now. taking giant risk. You have nothing to risk. Yeah. The only thing that and you will gain is experience, yeah. which is applicable to anything else you'll do. Yeah. And so start something, figure it out. Uh, hopefully it works. Probably won't. But you will learn something yeah. and then start something else yeah. and do a better job the next time. And if you look at Dash Hudson, maybe something will come up along the way that will really click no. and that will be your winning ticket. So at the beginning, I talked about it's just persistence, right? Yeah. Start something, do it. If it doesn't work, try something different. Work it out. Keep going. Yeah. Uh, and think through just there's no better time than when you're young to do it because you have nothing to lose. Perfect. Thank you very much for talking to me today, Malcolm. Yeah, no worries, The Exchange Podcast is produced by the Fred C. Manning School of Business Administration in collaboration with Brenda McNeil, sometimes using studio facilities provided by Axe Radio. This is a volunteer production. If you'd like to donate to help support the Axe Change podcast, please see podcast under the news and events tab on the business homepage at business.kdu.ca. Thank you. Axe Change would like to thank Paul Callahan, Jonathan Campbell, Kendra Carmichael, Dwayne Curry, Ian Feltmate, Mike Kennedy, Ryan McNeil, Michael Shepard, and Connor Vibert. Music is Pickup Truck by Silent Partner, accessed copyright free at the YouTube Audio Library. Follow the Axe podcast on the News and Events tab on the business homepage or at SoundCloud under Axe Change. Until next time, I'm Brendan McNeil, yours in Katie's spirit. <laughs>